Welcome to Irish Passport. Uh, let's do it. Welcome to the Irish Passport. I'm Tim McInerney. I'm Naomi O'Leary. We're friends. Okay, well to Naomi. Anwar Fad Tim. This is your passport to Irish culture, history and politics. Uh-huh. I'm recording. One, One two, two, three. three. Okay. And welcome to a bonus US election episode of the Irish Passport Podcast. Yeah, hi all our listeners. So as you can imagine, we've scrambled up to our microphones <laughs> to discuss the dramatic result of the US presidential election and what it means for Ireland. Yeah, indeed. In case you have somehow missed it, in the last 48 hours, Joe Biden has been declared the president-elect of the United States. And this is causing real shockwaves around the world and, of course, in Ireland. Of course, this election has special significance for Ireland. So Joe Biden, like many presidents before him, has Irish ancestry. And for many years, he's been very involved with some aspects of Irish politics. Yeah, and more than that, uh, Biden's position on Brexit, in as far as it might concern Ireland, has sent shivers running down the spine of more than one Tory politician in Westminster uh, in recent days, as we'll see in a minute. In this episode, then, we are going to break down what the Biden election means for the island of Ireland, or what it, at least it seems to mean at this early stage. Okay, so Tim, I think I already mentioned in one of our live shows that an amazing 22 presidents of the USA have had Irish roots, the most Mm -hmm. recent one being, of course, Barack Obama. Um, So tell us, what exactly is Biden's link? What's his ancestry? Right, yes. Well, okay, so uh, uh, according to Irish Central, anyway, it says that Biden's great-grandfather, James Finnegan emigrated from County Louth as a child in 1850. So I suppose that was a, a famine emigration. Uh, all eight of his great-great-grandparents on his mother's side were born in Ireland during the first half of the 19th century. But that's not all. On his father's side, two great-grandparents were also born in Ireland. So in as far as, you know, these fractions make sense uh, in, in, in identity terms, that makes Joe Biden five-eighths Irish. Five-eighths. Uh, So more than half, (laughs) which is pretty Irish as you go. Mm -hmm. Um, And we saw this coming out in the presidential campaign. And in fact, long before that, because Biden strongly culturally identifies as an Irish Catholic. And that's through his experience of, you know, living that identity in the US. In fact, Mm -hmm. he described himself as such during the first presidential debate. It was a really striking moment to me. Um, He said something uh, in response to Donald Trump, where he said something like, guys like him, you know, they always look down on Irish Catholics like me from Scranton. Um, Mm. And of course, sometimes he's been known to bless himself in public as well. Right, yeah. And this this Catholic identity, or his assumption of it anyway, is something in itself. Um, like we said, 22, uh, 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 22 American presidents have had Irish ancestry. But Biden will be only the second president of the United States to be a Catholic after John F. Kennedy. Right. And in lots of ways, you could say that this has kind of helped him to craft a bit of an underdog identity that he mm. he uses as a bit of a unifier. It makes him more of a common man, really. There's this idea that he's he's not a wasp. He's not one of the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. He's something else. He comes from a different cultural background. 
Yeah, and I, I think we discussed the the significance of this this idea in a in a previous episode that we should remember that this term wasp, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, that's used a lot in America, uh, especially in the upper echelons of society, that was largely born out of anti-Catholic sentiment uh, in the past really right up until the election of JFK. And even afterwards, there were a lot of people in America um, who would have felt that the presidency of the USA was no position for an Irish Catholic. You know, really, it was there was a really strong feeling in the 19th century of anti, anti-Catholic sentiment. And that was kind of linked up with this idealistic idea of the USA, that it should be a purely Protestant uh, society, uh, you know, a kind of new world for Protestants. And I suppose the very fact that we're even talking about Biden's Catholic identity, you know, that shows that these attitudes have lingered on in some form or another. And uh, of course, on the other hand, it also draws our attention to the fact that on in one of the most diverse countries on earth, the election of an elderly white man can raise eyebrows just because he's an Irish Catholic. Right, of course. And, you know, it's a kind of convenient... Um identity in a way for him to adopt because after all mm. this guy is like an absolute political insider like he's been in politics for decades and decades yeah. and decades he's right at the top but by you know identifying as Irish Catholic you know he becomes more of an underdog kind of excuses him from like being such an establishment figure um, mm. but it is fascinating I remember having a discussion about this with uh, Robert Mackey who's a listener to the podcast and writes for The Intercept um, and he described this history of um the the Ku Klux Klan actually in the US and how it was very fiercely anti-catholic and the mm-hmm. image that people had of catholics at the time was that you know they were very suspicious they had this odd other faith there was all this incense and, and saints and strange stuff it was kind of spooky and um, <laughs> the the big question was were they really american were they really loyal to the us if they had this Pope figure, you know, wouldn't they have divided loyalties? So that was the sort of suspicion about them for a very long time. And of course, the US only normalized relations with the Vatican in the 1980s. So it's so, so interesting. Um, uh, Biden, of course, also has quite a bit of sport back home from his Irish cousins across the pond, um, in particular in the town of Ballina in County Mayo, not not very far away from where a lot of my own family are from. Um, that has been in a state of excitement uh, because <laughs> it seems sure now that if Biden travels to Ireland as president, he's almost definitely going to make a stop off there uh, to say hello to his relatives. Yeah, it's quite cute, really. I think one of his cousins has been um, going around with his his van, like his builder van, painted with something like riding with Biden or something like that. You know, they've, got, they've been very open about the connection and kind of like campaigning and cheering him on. Um, and there's some people quipping that like, finally, the curse of Mayo is now list- lifted because a Mayo man has won. Mm-hmm. You know, they're famous for losing GAA titles at the very last minute. Um, so yeah, there's huge anticipation of a potential Biden visit. You know, I, I have this feeling that like Irish people, if they can, like to like the US. They like to like the US and they like to like US presidents. You know, it's something that people enjoy. Yeah. So like, um, having a likable US president come to visit, I can totally see that as something that people would allow themselves to kind of get into, you know, and like get excited yeah, totally, about. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course, that we've, We've spoken before about this 
like age old Irish diplomacy to the White House, where there is this unusual access that Irish politicians have to the White House, which is quite tied up to the US involvement in the peace process in Northern Ireland, where every year, all of Dublin, the, 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 the Taoiseach doesn't actually celebrate St. Patrick's Day at home, he celebrates it in Washington, he goes over and brings Shamrock to the US president. Um, mm. And of course, um, these um, the, you can think back to other historical moments, like there was a visit of JFK to Ireland, and that's like right. remembered as something really special. And <clears> Obama <throat> came and he addressed, you know, huge crowds in the center of town on Dame Street. And it was like people got really into it. Like it just does not happen for any other international leader. Yeah. Yeah, and especially when when you're thinking about this in terms of tiny, tiny little towns, you know, like really, really small places where not much goes on, you know, and like a visit from the Taoiseach would be very rare, like really <laughs> when you're when you're thinking about a lot of these towns. Uh, but it really isn't that unusual for a US president to show up, you know, in, in big fanfare. And what you see across the country in Ireland a lot is actual place names that have been changed to celebrate these visits because it's, it's that exciting. So... Um, there's a there's a big park in Galway, for instance, called JFK Park. There's a JFK, all sorts of stuff. And I think uh, there's Barack Obama Plaza, isn't there somewhere famously, somewhere around? Famously, Barack Obama Plaza is like a garage, like the place where you refill your car, <laughs> <laughs> petrol. And there's like and is an it true? homage I I saw, to its visit. I think I saw it being mentioned on social media that um, there, there's moves afoot to informally name somewhere Biden, Biden place or something really, in Mayo, but I don't really. know. How, They'll how have to wait to the reality. actual visit, I'd say, before they, before they do that one. So sure. Tim, I mean, obviously there's going to be so many comparisons with JFK. Um, do you, do you think, to, is Biden more Irish than JFK? I mean, he's actually calling himself <laughs> an Irish Catholic during the debates. Like he's quite, um, yeah. openly embracing that identity. You know, that's a, that's a really interesting point, actually. And I suppose at the end of the day, this doesn't really come down to how many eighths, you know, of Irish he has <laughs> in his ancestry. Uh, like what it comes down to is like how much he makes of this and how much he, he uses it as a as an identifying factor, which he has, you know, used really surprisingly quite a lot. And it seems like he's kind of been ramping it up. Uh, through the campaign. So we'll see what he does with that, you know, through diplomatic relations over the next four years. Um, for one thing, he has shown himself, um, for example, uh, quite often actually, uh, to be a major fan of Irish poets. He has quoted both Seamus Heaney and W.B. Yeats in his past speeches. He's um, always take- quoting Heaney. He's quoting Heaney yeah. <laughs> all at any opportunity he quotes them. I mean, these are, these are good people to quote, to be fair. They're both Nobel Prize winners, you know, so like, good material to work from there. Um, but, uh, take a listen to Joe Biden here, uh, reading from Seamus Heaney's The Cure at Troy. And this was, uh, broadcast on a report from RTE, the Irish national broadcaster, after he was declared president-elect. And that is the news this Saturday evening on the night. Joe Biden is elected U.S. president, a proud Irish-American and admirer of the Nobel laureate Seamus Heaney. We leave you now tonight with his words. Good night and take care. Human beings suffer. They torture one another. They get hurt and get hard. No poem or play or song can fully right the wrong inflicted and endured. History says, don't hope on this side of the grave. But then, once in a lifetime, the long-forward tidal wave of justice can rise up and hope and
history line. So hope for a great sea change on the far side of revenge. Believe that a further shore is reachable from here. Believe in miracles and healing wells. Call miracles self-healing and utter self-revealing double take of feeling. If there is a fire in the mountain or lightning in a storm, then God speaks from the sky. That means someone is hearing the outcry and the birth cry of a new life at its turn. It means once in a lifetime that justice can rise up and hope and history rhyme. It is very on theme for Biden, it has to be said, because he's mm-hmm. talking about healing all the time, you know, and how, you know, every now and again, there, you can actually, things can give way to peace and things can change for the better, which of course Definitely. is, you know, it's it's part of what he has to do because his victory was so narrow um, yeah. that the country over in the US is so divided. He has to come up with these stories about reconciliation um you know to try and pull everyone together after what's been such an incredibly divisive time and what's clearly a very divided country um meanwhile in ireland it has to be said hardly any division at all irish politicians are openly delighted at the <laughs> Biden victory um so Taoiseach Michal Martin was one of the first national leaders in the world to publicly offer his congratulations so doing that before you know, the other big leaders have done it is in itself a statement of a support for Biden because Trump hadn't conceded yet. So, you know, it was still like Trump was still arguing that, you know, it wasn't over. Um, but Michal Martin weighed in uh, and he actually he actually went ahead of the other EU leaders by I think it was like an hour and 20 minutes. So behind the scenes, the EU leaders actually all game planned for how they would react because they could guess that possibly Trump wouldn't concede. And that's Mm. really a difficult thing for foreign leaders to deal with because usually you wait for the concession speech and then you do the congratulations. It's like part of diplomacy. Um, But if one's not conceding, then you have to kind of pick, like, what are you going to do? So they basically all agreed that on at 7pm Brussels time on Saturday, they would simultaneously all congratulate Biden. And that gives each other diplomatic cover because it's not like one goes too early and looks too pro-Biden or one hangs on until too late and looks like they're kind of, you know, giving credence to Trump or whatever. But um, Mm. Michal Martin had no time for that. He just like (laughs) shot out his congratulations in Aaronet 20 minutes before anyone else just being like, way Biden and um, calling him a great friend to Ireland. Sneaky Michal. (laughs) Good on him, I suppose. I mean, carrying on in the grand tradition of sneaky Irish Tishi. um, (laughs) I mean, I bet he was pretty pleased with himself because there were just newspaper articles, you know, uh, all day today listing which foreign leaders had congratulated the president-elect. And on every single one of them, you know, from all over the world, there was Michal's name at the top of the list, you know, first out out the gate. So, yeah, I suppose that worked for him. Exactly. I mean, like I was writing reaction pieces on, you know, how is Europe reacting to Biden over the weekend? And, you know, you have to collect the first comments that there are. So if you're one of the first, of course, you get more reporting of it. You get more attention. Mm. Like if you're the 15th or the 30th or something, like, you know, much fewer people are paying attention to what you say. But anyway, it was a decision in itself. I mean, like it was like, you know, it was a choice when when Trump was still like contesting. 
Uh, but really, the fact that they were like any EU leaders at all were willing to just kind of do away with convention and go ahead and start congratulating um, before the concession speech, like that just shows how little credibility Trump has in Europe, which is like yeah, very, wow. very little. Mm. Um, but interesting to see what uh, Taoiseach Michal Martin actually wrote um, in his statement of congratulations, because it's very relevant. Um, so here is what he said. He said, Ireland takes pride in Joe Biden's election, just as we are proud of all the generations of Irish women and Irish men and their ancestors whose toil and genius have enriched the diversity that powers America. This is a particularly special day for the people of County Louth and of County Mayo who count President-elect Biden among their own. Joe Biden has always been a stalwart, stalwart friend and supporter of Ireland including of the prosperity, stability and opportunity made possible by the Good Friday Agreement, to which he has pledged his ongoing steadfast support. And that is very politically um, pointed in the current Charged. Moment. Yeah. 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 I, like I, I, so much of the of these like friendly, seemingly innocuous congratulations <laughs> have been so politically charged, as we'll see. And this is this is really interesting. So not only is is uh, Michal Martin consolidating the close political ties between Biden and the Democrats and Ireland, uh, but I suppose as well, this was a pretty nice opportunity for him as Taoiseach to, you know, like have a have a feel good moment, um, you know, when we've all not had very good news for a very long time. Um, and in, as in most of Europe, the vast majority of people in Ireland were hoping for a Biden win. So this was a nice piece of news for them. It, it was seen as a good news in Europe because, I mean, there's been polling uh, by Ipsos of support um, in European countries among the public for the two different candidates. And mm. like Trump has a tiny, tiny amount of support in most countries. Like we're talking about like 10, maybe 11 percent in many countries, just a a tiny fraction. There was only one EU country, I think, where it was even enough between Trump and Biden, and that was Poland. But in most places, you have Biden winning decisively where the election held here. And there's good reasons for that. I mean, Trump has, um, you know, he described the EU as a foe. Uh, He threatened a trade war with Europe. He uh, pulled out of the Iran deal, which, you know, Europe was very in favour of, pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord, which, again, Europe very much in favour of. Uh, He has obstructed the World Trade Organization by refusing to approve the appointment of judges to its appellate court, which means that it basically can't decide anything. It's just banjaxed. There's almost any area of multilateralism Trump has obstructed or withdrawn from. And multilateralism is like how Europe works, literally how the EU works. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a massive relief is what broadly the Biden victory has been greeted with in Europe. Um, in Ireland now, um, there were actually a few Trump supporters. And what's, what's rare about them, like I suppose what's, what's odd about them is the Trump supporters in Ireland are sometimes the like, kind of more Catholic ones. Like, I mean, the ones who are sort of politically Catholic. So the kind of um, more hard right um, anti-abortion ones uh, that we've seen emerge more, particularly after our landmark referendums on um, on social issues like equal marriage and abortion. Um, this kind of hard right in Ireland identifies as kind of Catholic, a bit like, a bit like in Poland. And they were for Trump Interestingly, even though like Biden was like, you know, the Catholic candidate, it's like two different versions of Catholicism, like one where your Catholicism informs your lawmaking 
um, which is the sort of the hard right one, uh, the pro-life one, or one mm. where the Catholicism is separate from like your political policy. So it's like very much your identity. But then when it comes to policy making, you don't use like Catholic beliefs to make your decision. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like we've been watching this kind of become more distinct uh, in the last few years. And I suppose what we've been seeing is this very political, political Catholicism, as you describe it well, um, being distilled from the greater mass of just ca- cultural Catholic Catholicism that yeah. existed in Ireland because of those referendums and because of political change. Um, that like, I, I suppose in many ways, having um, a, a, pol- a politically Catholic faction like this is a lot more normal in greater European terms. Like you have a political, uh, pol- uh, politically Catholic faction in France and Spain, you know, um, and they're similarly, uh, you know, quite far right that probably be su- supporting Trump as well. Um, but, um, in Ireland, of course, since, you know, Catholic, uh, cultural identity was so strong until relatively recently, even though people mightn't have been really very sincerely practicing the religion, that was kind of, um, uh, it was diluted, I suppose. Yeah. That, that political faction wasn't so visible. And we're only just really seeing, you know, what, what was always there and a group that might be feeling a little bit barricaded, socially barricaded now by the changes uh, in Irish society. Uh, Fascinating but, point, spe- actually. Like that, yeah. that polling that I was talking about was also done in Ireland in terms of, so if you divide it by political parties, which uh, the supporters of which political party uh, has the most vote, uh, like support for Trump. And basically Mm. among all the Irish political parties like that you could name, like Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin, negligible, negligible support for Trump in any of them, all Biden. Um, Where Trump started to get support was... Uh, independence, you know, people who run without a party, mm. but uh, to some extent, but significantly, dramatically among the supporters of AIM2. And AIM2 is a really small new party that uh, was formed when the Sinn Féin lawmaker Pader Tobin split off from, from Sinn Féin because of its support for legalizing abortion and formed his own like Republican anti-abortion party. And that mm. distilled this Trump vote. Isn't that interesting? That's that's very interesting. Yeah, well, one to keep an eye on. Um, speaking of irony, though, uh, Naomi, we yeah. can't also forget that alongside the Catholic hard right, also the Protestant hard right in Northern <laughs> Ireland also had a bit of support uh, for Trump among their leads, uh, their uh, their, their leagues. Um, uh, in particular, uh, the Ulster Scots for Trump group uh, were being uh, shown a lot on social media uh, with their with their banners in support of Trump. Now, I personally don't know how big that support actually was. But it's funny enough to see to, to see uh, this this issue uniting uniting across across the divide. Um, I suppose I suppose you know among u- certain unionists in Northern Ireland, um, this might be linked in with the idea that Trump supported uh, Boris Johnson's Brexit plans, and he also didn't seem to be particularly concerned about the dangers of a hard border returning to the island of Ireland. Um, which brings us to the possibly most important political consequence or potential consequence of this election for Ireland from a thousand or you know, thousands of miles away. How is Biden's presidency going to affect the current trajectory of Brexit? Really interesting. Yeah. So it was immediately seen, immediately seen as just totally changing the mood on mm. the negotiations, like just like key change. Um, so just to say where we are, um, the deadline for agreeing a trade deal between the UK and EU, which has 
billions and billions, hundreds of billions of euro at stake and, you know, everything rides on this from January 1st. Uh, so like less than eight weeks time. The deadline for that has supposedly already passed. Like last week was supposed to be the last moment in which they could agree a trade deal and they haven't. So negotiations have already run over. And the last we heard was that they were still just stuck on the same issues that they've always been stuck on. Um, mm. So people were getting a bit desperate and being like, what's going to happen, you know? Um, big change in um, the Biden victory because Trump was, of course, pro-Brexit. Um, and Biden, in his campaign, uh, said that any trade deal with the US, with the UK, would be contingent upon their not doing anything to harm peace in Ireland, um, which is, he, he intervened with that statement right after the UK introduced its internal markets bill, which just to remind you that unpicked or sought to unpick agreements already made with the EU that would avoid a hard border on the island of Ireland. And the British government openly said that it was breaking international law. Um, so that kind of thing, you know, Trump could be counted on to not particularly be bothered about that kind of thing. But Biden was very openly anti it. So suddenly the Brexiteer faction in the UK is looking far more internationally isolated. They don't have this, you know, hugely important figure of the US president as being sympathetic to them. Um, You know, he's on his way out. He's now like a lame duck president. And instead, they've got this Irish identifying um, you know, not pleased with Brexit, uh, like pro-peace process, Joe Biden on the way in. And it's just really changed things. Um, right. As, as I understand it, uh, Michal Martin referenced the, I think, uh, uh, quote, ongoing steadfast support for the Good Friday Agreement in his statement. Yeah, he did. So he mentioned that specifically about Biden. And also it was quite telling that the British government immediately, immediately faced press press questions about whether it needed to change its strategy or uh, withdraw the internal markets bill due to Biden's victory. So here's a weird one, right? We were talking about like support for Trump from different quarters. The, The statement from European leaders congratulating Biden that really sticks out, like among them, the one that really sticks out is the one from Britain's foreign secretary, Dominic Rabb. <laughs> so this was the guy who went over. We talked about him when we interviewed Brendan Boyle, the congressman Brendan Boyle. Dominic Rabb went over on a charm offensive to Washington to try and get their support when they were introducing the internal markets bill. And a few Democrats and Republicans were, were warning that there couldn't be a trade deal with the US if they messed around with Northern Ireland, basically. Um, and Biden wins, right? And Dominic Rapp issued this uh, congratulations to Biden. So he began it. While some of the processes are still playing out, it is now clear that Joe Biden has won. It was a close contest and Donald Trump fought hard. Like That is really unusual. Like to put in qualifications at the beginning that mm. pay lip service to like dubious legal challenges by mm. the defeated camp. And then yeah, and it's almost, go on. It's almost um, uh, an oxymoron, what he's saying there. While some of the processes are still playing out, is it now clear that Joe Biden has won? So why are you mentioning these processes then, you know, from a from a reasonable point of view? 
Right. And when you're doing your congratulations, like you don't usually compliment, like it's about the winner. You don't go like, it was a close (laughs) contest and the other guy fought hard. Like, what? What are you doing? Um, so yeah, that was interesting and shows, I suppose, how much they were counting on the Trump presidency that they feel like they can't offend him even in their congratulations message to Biden. Mm. Now, when, um, when Dominic Rabb went on television then and was questioned about if the Biden victory meant that they need to now change their strategy regarding the internal markets bill, he repeated the claim that the internal markets bill is actually to protect the Good Friday Agreement. Oh, stop. He did Which he did, which we know really winds up um, the, like, pro-Irish group in Washington. Um because we heard it from Brendan Boyle. Yes, yeah. You might remember he was speaking on British television and when he was presented with that, this idea that the uh, that the bill, the internal markets bill, was there to protect the GFA, he more or less kind of tore that idea to shreds um, as patently absurd, which is what most reasonable people um, think is certainly in Ireland. Um, let's take a listen, actually, back to that clip now. There is nothing in this bill that explicitly violates the Good Friday Agreement. In fact, the government is saying it has put these provisions into the bill precisely because it wants to defend the Good Friday Agreement. I I give them credit for saying that with a straight face. That is a, a real achievement. Absolutely no one believes that. That is sheer nonsense. And of course, it was during this whole period that Biden came out with his tweet um, during Rab's offences that in which Biden himself said, we can't allow the Good Friday Agreement that brought peace to Northern Ireland to become a casualty of Brexit. Any trade deal between the US and UK must be contingent upon respect for the agreement and preventing the return of a hard border period. Right. So it is it is kind of gobsmacking that, you know, Rab is still going on with this with this patently absurd bullshit. <laughs> like, to be to be honest, um, uh, God only knows how this is going to go. And especially when you think about this in contrast to what some other politicians are saying um, on the social media networks at the moment. Uh, for instance, you might listen to what Ireland's Europe minister, Thomas Byrne, had to say in his own tweet. He wrote, really, really thrilled Joe Biden is elected POTUS. We in Ireland appreciate the interest you've always taken in our affairs and most recently in statements made during your campaign upholding the Good Friday Agreement. It's like could hardly be more blatant and explicit. (laughs) Yeah. So, so Naomi, when it comes to British-Irish relations, I mean, there's definitely a current, an undercurrent anyway, of passive aggression in the air right now over this. I don't know if it's an undercurrent. Like, it's just, it's it's openly seen as being really important for these talks. Um, Mm -hmm. But what's really interesting, though, is... I guess I wasn't really aware of the flip side of this, which is that among the UK Conservative Party and among the UK right, um, there's actually been like some really explicit antipathy towards Mm. Biden um, and towards Biden's close relationship with Ireland, um, particularly in the context of it being seen as a threat to the UK and to Brexit. Yeah, this has been, this has been so weird. There have been really, I mean, and they're just popping up all over the place. Um, and not, not just in the last few days. They've been popping up for the last few weeks. Um, uh, statements on social media that seem to be trying to link Biden to the IRA. Um, I saw, um, a headline in the Sun newspaper, I think from today that was trying to link him to the IRA. Um, uh, mostly, I suppose, trying to make tenuous links with his involvement, uh, in the Good Friday Agreement. Um, so listen to this tweet, for instance, uh, from 
from Scott Benton. Scott Benton is a British Conservative MP for Blackpool South. And uh, a few weeks ago, he tweeted, I quote, Joe Biden is no friend of Britain. His Irish Republican sympathies and ignorant comments on Brexit and the peace process are another reminder of why he'd be an awful president and undermine our special relationship with the US. It's really weird. And there's also been, you know, suggestive printing or like posting of a picture of Joe Biden with Jerry Adams, the former Sinn Féin president. Of mm. course, there's there's pictures of Donald Trump with Jerry Adams too. Jerry Adams has met a lot of people. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Um, but another thing that went viral uh, was there's those pictures of me with Jerry Adams for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> hold, hold on, hold, I've just Naomi. I have just yeah. found the um, I've just found the headline from the Sun, and it's worth reading. Okay, go. This is the Sun from uh, today, I think. Joe's IRA shame. <laughs> Joe Biden cuddles IRA chief with Sinn Fein's Jerry Adams as they quote unquote discuss a united Ireland. <laughs> what? That's from are you that's from that's, today? That article's from today? Now listen, I don't have the actual date because okay. this is a screenshot that I took earlier. Okay. Um but I think so, yeah. Okay, crazy. Um so another thing that went viral uh, this weekend was a clip of Biden, which was kind of um, stopped me in my tracks when I saw it. Uh, so it dates from before the election. Uh, but um, listen to what he said. Mr. Biden, a quick word for the BBC. The BBC, I'm Irish. If you didn't catch that, a reporter asks Biden, have you a word for the BBC? Biden replies, the BBC, I'm Irish. Um, it's like, it's a, it's a joke, but to me, it was amazing that he had that quip, like, on the tip of his <laughs> tongue. Like, uh, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah, like, reporters were laughing, um, Biden was laughing, but Nigel Farage, for one, saw it very differently. Um, so he tweeted this weekend, as you can see from this clip, Biden hates the UK. It's getting <laughs> weird over there. It's getting really weird. And what is, I think, like, you can see in a few of these, actually, that, the weird assumption here is that supporting Ireland equals hating the UK, yeah. you know, which is a fascinating and kind of like, like shockingly regressive attitude to be taken by these, you know, very high profile figures uh, in British society, like conservative MPs and Nigel Farage, as discredited as he is, you know, a lot of people listen to him. Uh, so there's a lot to unpick. I mean, I don't know if I have enough energy left in my <laughs> body to ever give a thought to what Nigel Farage says ever again, to be honest. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it is a, it's a train of thought and it feels like it's trying to be put out there, um, that just the mere association with Ireland is enough to undermine Joe, Bri Joe Biden. Yeah, it's kind of part of a broader trend, I think, in European politics where um, radical right uh, figures have seen Trump as, um, their, I suppose, their biggest like totem of success, really. He's been an absolute uh, kind of symbol of hope for these people. He was His victory was touted across Europe as being part of a populist wave that would also sweep the continent, you know, that next it would be nationalist parties in France, Germany, you know, Ireland, wherever. And really the UK is the one place where this has been most successful in that they successfully, um, you know, they Brexited, which was really, you know, quite a nationalist project as we've, as we've discussed. And, and that's kind of reflected in the most Brexity type figures or, you know, right wing type figures in the Conservative Party also being very sympathetic to Trump. So like, for example, we had Conservative MPs like Michael Fabricant, who basically no one, you know, 
has much credence for. But, you know, he was writing on Twitter, like, as the results were being counted and as the results were coming in, he's kind of, you know, agreeing with Trump about his allegations about um, postal voting and mm. saying, you know, well, this, you know, postal voting is famously full of problems in Georgia or whatever, you know, just like making jokes about uh, dead people voting, all of this kind of stuff. Um, and it's like, yeah, I suppose the victory, the Biden victory did seem like it kind of cut the ground out from other these people because mm. you, it's one thing to, to the source of these allegations to be coming from the U.S. president. But if someone isn't the U.S. president anymore, there's really no reason for people like that in Europe to pay attention to them. You know, it's just like it really right. takes away no a huge source of support. So yeah. And a huge source of um, of support and hope for, you know, radical right figures across Europe. Yeah. Yeah, now, um, something else actually that made, uh, Brexiters a little uneasy uh, this weekend, uh, was Biden's choice of secret service name. This okay. Is, this is something like, I presume that you know nothing about, uh, cause I've never heard anything about this before, uh, in my life. Uh, but apparently it's pretty standard for high ranking politicians in the US to have a secret service, service name. And, um, like it's not secret, even though it's a secret service name. It's not a secret. Like there's a list okay. of them on Wikipedia and you can <laughs> find, you can find everyone's secret service name and they're like superhero names kind of. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so I, I, I honestly have no idea what they're for, by the way. Um, Donald Trump was, um, <laughs> His secret service name was Mogul. And uh, uh, Kamala Harris uh, is known as Pioneer. And uh, Hillary Clinton was Evergreen. So it's all very kind of espionage. And um, uh, so everyone everyone gets to choose one. But when it came time for Biden to choose one, he has reportedly chosen Celtic. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh-huh. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I also noticed something that was just struck me as, today when I was thinking about these two figures of Micheál Martin and Joe Biden is that there are really striking similarities between the two figures. Um, I don't know if this sounds crazy to you, Tim, but basically the two of them are like real political long haulers. Like mm. they both had this career behind them where it's taken them a lot to finally achieve their dream. Both of them mm. are now at the top. But it came after, you know, losses like Joe Biden kind of ran for president. I don't know how many times and didn't succeed and had to pull out or whatever. Um, and Michal Martin's kind of similar, like he had a disaster. He led Fianna Fáil to a really, like the worst election result ever. So they're both people who have like persevered through these defeats. And they have this kind of um, somewhat gentle kind of apologetic yeah. air, the two of them. And they're also kind of like monkish political figures in that they're not one of these politicians who seems like they're whining and dining and living it up. They're both kind of spare um, people, you know, like quite thin, like in their presentation, <laughs> thin, apologetic, gentle. And they also have like an air of tragedy. Both of them have lost children. Actually, both of them have lost two children. And they kind of mm. carry this tragedy with them. And in the US, it's often said that, you know, Joe Biden's kind of personal tragic history because his his wife and daughter died in a car crash kind of gives him this empathy, you know, that helps him to have this like sense of empathy and empathize with everyone. Um, and it's just so curious that there are these similarities between the two of them. And it kind of struck me. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, there is a certain kind of air of similarity. I certainly, I certainly get where you're coming from with that. And of course, Naomi, we can't leave out uh, the enormous success of the vice president-elect Kamala Harris, who has made huge historic strides uh, in the US as the first woman vice president and the first black person and first person of Indian heritage to hold that post too. Yeah, do you know, this made me realise that I actually was labouring under the misapprehension for a long time that Condoleezza Rice was vice president and she wasn't, she was secretary of state. I just remember her from the Bush years as like being someone prominent and I was kind of like, what? There hasn't been a woman vice president? Yeah, I I was a bit shocked as well. You know, actually, now that you say that, it kind of, I mean, a lot of people have been kind of reflecting on this, I feel that like, there was a time when we didn't pay this that close attention to all this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, like, it's a, you know, the US is a very important country in global terms, but it is still very far away. And, you know, it was possible really just not to know who the minor players were or the relative or the secondary players even or the third players. Um, You know, it was entirely possible as an informed person to kind of forget that or, or not be up to date on it but we've you know Europe I think and the world to a certain extent has been dragged so intimately into all this and just the people who are watching every single step of this you know for, like uh, monitoring the different uh, counties and the different states and you know in the different regions um, that were voting this way and that uh, it was really it, it, it was enthralling for a lot of people people were very compelled yeah and it's like kind of ironic like how much attention was paid for this towards this compared to like comparatively European politics, particularly mm. like EU politics, how many people could name like, I don't know, even the European Commission president or how much attention it, or people even vote in European elections. There's a real striking difference there in terms of an attention deficit, even though it's yeah. got massive yeah. import to our lives. Yeah, it's, it's true. But I suppose like, you know, what 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 is lacking in the European Commission is the drama, just the sheer drama uh, of this election. And when it all culminated in those street parties that are probably still going on as we speak, you know, it's something else uh, to witness yeah, just as a as a person on planet Earth at the moment. I think it's chicken and egg because obviously there's lots of drama in the European Commission. We just don't hear about <laughs> it. Like we just don't know about it. <laughs> You know, some people say, oh, like, if it was just covered, like the US election is play by play, you know, with all of the personalities that you get to know them, like, then it would be much more exciting. Um, and people would have, like, more of an interest in it. But yeah, it's chicken and egg. I, I do think that it's just got a lot to do with pop culture. US mm. pop culture has, is just so pervasive in Europe that, you know, through television, through films, we know all about, like, the White House, the Oval Office, you know, like stuff mm. going on in Washington. And this has kind of informed everybody about it. And like, it's much easier for you to follow and take an interest in something if you kind of, you know, a little bit, bit about it to begin with. Um, but yeah, all right. Um, listen, guys, we're not finished with this, actually. We have loads of questions from our Patreon supporters. But to hear the answers to them, you're going to have to head over to Patreon and listen over there. We have some questions about uh, the US congress uh we have some questions about the brexit deadline we have some we're going to be talking about the navajo and their role in all this so if you want to hear another little bit of extra bonus content on this subject you can head over to www.patreon.com forward slash the irish passport yeah we'll be taking all those questions from patreon supporters and that was a really fascinating one about the special role that the, our friends the navajo people had in this election result so yeah do uh, do check it out over on patreon 
And in the meantime, congratulations, I guess, to um, Mr. Biden, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris and to all of the US voters who might be celebrating today. And from us, that's a slán, slán to all our listeners. Slán. 